You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 158. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. After a brief hiatus spent testing a new video format for this podcast, we are back. Now, video podcasts should be available starting next week on YouTube, so stay tuned. If we can get them to you, we'll let you know. This week, we start by discussing my recent research trip to LA at the Fall LD Micro event. Next, we will introduce topics for our new series of live webinars upcoming. In our first Your Stock Our Take, Brennan digs into a listener question on Virtra, symbol VTR. SI on the NASDAQ, a provider of judgmental use of force training simulators, firearms training simulators, and driving simulators for law enforcement, military, education, null, and commercial markets. In our second Your Stock Our Take, Aaron takes a look at Alaris Equity Partners Income Trust, symbol AD.UN on the TSX, a royalty streaming company that provides alternative financing to smaller mid-market private companies in exchange for ongoing royalty payments. The stock yields over 7% and Aaron lets you know our take on its current valuations. So let's get right into the show. I'm going to welcome my co-host Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing? Doing well. All right. All right. Yeah. So we did, as you said, we did try out uh, video format for the podcast earlier this week. It's something that uh, we find Interesting, and we we wanna we wanna transition the podcast to a video format. Um, yeah, you know, we we could have shockingly with it this week. I I don't want to point fingers as to who I know where this is going, who, who, where the problem was, but it was definitely uh, Brennan for sure. Yeah. So we can all thank him. Now something they, to do with some people uh, may look at this differently. Internet. Some people may say, "Thank God for Brennan." Now I don't have to look at Ron and Aaron's faces. You know, True. but others would have True. wanted to see us. So. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yes, positive, it's nice to put a face to a negative voice. Yeah, yeah. I guess the uh, explain your the whole, download or you know, upload speeds. What Brian. happened? You know why I'm getting all the flack? Everybody is because uh, my internet. It's just it's subpar. Um, I only have the copper the copper lines at my building rather than the uh, the fiber optic. Um, so you know the last couple of days I've been. Uh, you know, just just getting nothing but trashed by Ryan and Aaron. You know, out in Saskatchewan here, we don't get nothing but uh, only the copper lines. Just kidding. We do basically. Get Brennan is still get... on dial-up. Let's be honest. He's basically. still on dial-up. You hear basically. it. But Aaron isn't wrong. It's Aaron isn't wrong. It was my fault. You know, we would have had. We recorded the podcast. Uh, we were all suited up. We were looking good, and uh, you know. It just didn't upload. Well, I mean, I agree, Brennan. Your your internet is subpar, but you know that maybe. Yeah, we recorded worse. it two days ago, and it's still uploading right now. So it may <laughs> come in sometime in the new year. Doing anything yes. on the internet with Brennan is like taking a time machine back to the nineties. 
Whoa, yes, whoa, yeah. we're whoa. Up, <laughs> we're upgrading him. So hopefully he, he gets some uh, high-speed internet. Maybe we'll go to satellite. We'll go up into the satellite. We'll bypass all the uh, yep. traditional uh, <laughs> copper wire that's in the ground that's trying to power his internet and get him some uh get him into the uh at least into the 20th century are we even in that century i can't even remember let's let's talk about uh that research jaunt i went on uh the ld micro event i'm going to summarize this then you gentlemen can ask me a few questions about the event so the ld micro that i was at uh there was around 200 public companies, their stocks, 500 to 600 analysts. Each company gets about 20 minutes to present. And the analysts, such as ourselves, can book one-on-one meetings with the management teams. Uh, We review all the companies in advance and book meetings with the teams we think could potentially enter our coverage. So there were some good interviews. In the past, we've met, um, not for the first time, but you know, you meet them after they're in coverage. Companies like Expel, Viamed, Zynex, Acme United, Sangoma at these events. So, you know, it's a good quality event. Uh, essentially, speed dating management teams uh, get 25 minutes with them face to face. So that's a very valuable thing. Excellent. So this this event, uh, this is the first in-person event, Ryan, that you've been to since the start of the pandemic. Uh, you said, yeah. what, 200 companies? So normally we're, we're looking at about 500 companies. So obviously not as many names, but what were your what were your feelings in terms of opportunities there? Were you were you seeing anything that's interesting? Yeah, I mean, there was some that were interesting. Um, I mean, like you said, you get 200 companies versus four to 500 and 500 investors versus 1500. It's a smaller event and we can understand why given the times. Uh, but, you know, so, you, you know, we usually do if it's, you know, 500 companies, we're going to maybe have 25 to 30 that we might watch a presentation from. And then, you know, maybe 20 of those we could do interviews on. Um, so it's, you know, less than half of that this time, but it's, you know, that's just because we need so many companies to really pull out a number that meet our criteria. It was good, like I said, to actually sit down across from the table for management, a few select management teams there and get to know them, get to know their businesses a little further. Uh, This is very valuable. uh, And I'll tell you why. When we do these events, we're usually doing four to five a year that uh, the similar type management teams are coming to. So if you sit down in front of the team, uh, interview them for 25 minutes, say at the end of it, you know, it would be great to see you. We'll see you in three months at the same event. They typically, you know, they're typically going to be more straight shooting if they know they have to sit in front of you after their next quarter and answer the same type of questions. And there'll be hard questions if they missed on, you know, estimates or anything like that. So it just, that is the way we find it valuable. I'll give you an example. Like we sat down, we've sat down with the team from Expel four or five, six times in person. Now Um, you really get to feel for the quality of the management team behind these businesses. You want, uh, you know, it's the intellectual, intellectual capital behind these firms, you're putting your hard-earned dollars, uh, our, our investors are, or we're putting their, our hard-earned dollars to work. It's nice to know that these are good quality teams behind the businesses. And on the flip side, it's nice to know that when you're interviewing a team, uh, if they turn out to be you know, less than high quality, uh, the numbers might look good, but you might not trust that you want to put your dollars into that business. Uh, you know, it's just a good 
good thing to be able to sit down and 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 look at to see if you want to put your dollars in these management teams hands and uh you know it's better to do that if you're in person in our opinion than it is uh if you're doing just a regular phone call or even a you know a zoom call or something like that so that was valuable uh we did sit down with some teams from our coverage uh, we sat down with acme united i uh, had a good update from them and we've been talking to them online uh, over the, the the these events, but we got to sit down with the CEO, the founder of the company, and uh, and, and you know just shoot the crap, right? Just just find out where the business was, where the supply chain um, concerns are, what we think is coming up next quarter, how the business is going to grow over the next year, two years, five years out. And, you know, we got to immediately put out an update on the business and we actually upgraded it in our coverage. So those things are valuable to be able to sit down and do. Overall, good to see some people that, you know, we know in the industry that haven't been able to see uh, for a couple of years. And hopefully uh, we think there's going to be an event like this in uh, three to six months uh, that we'll have, you know, maybe three to four hundred. So increasing the volume of companies there is going to probably increase the meetings that we can have and the uh, good research that we can pull out of those events. Well, I know typically in any given year back when we were going to the event, when there's 500 companies, we might find out of that 500 company list, maybe 25 to 30 companies where we think it's even worth it to look at the presentation or yeah. give it any any additional research. And typically less where we think it's worth it, we're at the point where we would actually sit down with management, you know, maybe 15 to 20 uh, meetings out of that. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see obviously more, more companies, but it, it really comes down to, uh, quality over quantity, right? Yeah. And like you were talking about last year in the virtual event at the same time, uh, we pulled out a couple recommendations, Acme United and the other one is IEC and you can let like the listeners know what happened with that recommendation. Well, I see yeah, under followed, yeah. uh, micro to small cap electronics manufacturer um, in some specialized areas like healthcare and defense uh, we you know good profitability we thought that it was um, it was growing we thought that it offered good value uh, so it was recommended in the fall of last year from the LD micro conference and uh, it was just recently taken out at about fifteen dollars and we recommended about eight eight nine dollars so that's you know that's that's essentially the type of opportunity that we're looking for when you go to a, a, an event like the LD, and then of course Acme as well. Um, another recommendation out of the conference last year, very staple business, um, you know, decent growth at the time, good valuation, and um, you know has performed extremely well. Yeah, I think the three companies, Acme, IEC, and uh, I believe Sangoma was re-recommended then after the event, and you know Sangoma done really well i uh, had a transformational acquisition uh since uh, the la- last fall um acme like i said done well iec was taken over so we you know we had three good results uh we will be likely including a couple companies in coverage upcoming in our larger uh nasdaq report where we looked at every company basically uh with uh market cap of two billion or less and there'll be a couple of the companies that we interviewed 
at this event in that report upcoming. Yeah. And so I also we're in, want excited to, uh, to put that out for clients over the next uh, two to three weeks. Yeah, and like I want to add, now, you know, from that report. Sorry, Ryan, just before you you go yeah, into no that, problem. you know, we had a couple, we had three recommendations, like you said, but I like that. You know, we even highlighted a few stocks where, you know, seem very interesting, great fundamentals. Maybe they're a little bit too thinly traded, like just a couple, yes. you know, like Mama Mancini's good company. Very interesting. I believe it's performed Done really very well. well over that time. Leet, yeah. Leet uh, Corp, another yes. stock that, you know, when we were looking at it, we thought that maybe it was a little bit too niche and maybe thinly traded. Leet ended up going. It was one of, you know, my uh, you know, most interesting stocks uh, that we were looking at at that time, you know, Leet ended up going from two to, I think about 24 bucks. Now, again, it wasn't a recommendation, but you know, we saw that the fundamentals were strong, um, you know, risk might. Yeah. And that's what higher. we do. We narrow down, we'll have, we'll highlight and do many reports on like 20 companies and the likely in this larger report be, you know, almost, you know, over 30 mini reports that we're doing in it. Uh, that are companies that are close on our monitor list. The value that that provides to clients is if they see one of these companies, they can read through a page mini report on that. If they like those investments, they can ask on our chat. If you know, if it suits an investment, if I like this, you know, and we can exactly. let them know further on that. And it also shows them essentially what we're monitoring, and it, it gives you an idea. If we looked at like in this larger report, we're looking at thirty-eight hundred companies, and if you're doing a Many reports on 30 of those companies, literally those are what we think are the best 30 out of 3,800 companies. So they've really passed a lot of screens already, you know, and we may pick three to five, say recommendations, actual recommendations out of that. But even the, the 20 to 30 that we have in many reports are certainly heads and tails above the other companies that we see in, when we do that full review uh, of the 3,800 companies. So, you know, we're more comfortable buying those than about, you know, 3,700 and some odd uh, that we look at on the folio list. So they've passed a lot of criteria already. Okay, well, let's get to our, we, we're really excited to announce our next set of uh, live webinars. They're called How to Position Your Stock Portfolio for 2022 and Beyond on November 2nd and November 9th. The November 2nd live webinar will be 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. November 9th, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um you know, I, I don't just say this, it's happened every time. These events, this event will sell out. So I encourage anybody who wants to come claim your tickets while they're still available. Now, if you're looking to fix your existing portfolio, take the plunge and build that simple 15 to 25 stock portfolio consisting of well-researched growth and dividend stocks. Don't miss it. Um, you know, get those tickets. We'll talk about our simple plan, 15 to 25 growth and dividend stocks that you can build over a two-year period save you money. It's designed to enrich you, not your advisor, save you on those fees. We're going to give you stories about how two to three great investments can change your life. Talk about the Boyds and the Expels of the world. Um, good, solid, you know, showing how successful companies that we've invested in in the past, uh, how we can follow that trajectory again with existing recommendations, finding the next Boyds, the next Expels, and how they can impact your portfolio. Going to give you seven stocks you can buy right now. There are top REIT, our top SaaS tech, top disruptive healthcare stock, our health tech stock, 
top FANG, top gold-related, dividend growth stock, and more. We're going to talk inflation, your portfolio, China, and why we avoided this market. We're going to explain briefly the NFT craze, if whether it's an opportunity or a bubble. This time last year at our seminar, we reviewed all the FANG stocks. We're going to do that again. So revisiting Facebook, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Netflix. Are they overpriced, fair-valued, or undervalued? Um, we recommended Alphabet as our pick of the litter this time last year. Performed tremendously well out of that group, up 80% over the past year. So we'll have another top pick from that segment. There's some gr- huge news out today, kind of uh, snap uh, the uh, social media app was down about 25% after market today after they were affected by the iOS or Apple's iOS 14 new privacy rules that were put in. We'll say we'll look at how that'll affect Facebook and Alphabet, likely less Alphabet than Facebook, but we'll tell you why we believe that going forward. Uh, learn to take advantage of tax loss selling. I'm really excited about this. Uh, we're going to talk about what tax loss selling is why it can produce extraordinary opportunities potentially this year in the small cap segment. We had a huge run up in the small cap sector, pushing valuations well beyond likely where they should have been in March of this year. Um, We're going to tell you why that might produce some babies getting thrown out with the bathwater in December, and there may be some real opportunities there, some about 10 to 25 stocks that we're monitoring and we're just, you know, go on, talk about why cash flow matters in your portfolio. And then at the end, 30 to 40 minutes Q&A session with myself and Aaron answering any questions on the strategies we talk about and the stock. So there's a lot packed into three hours. And I think that, you know, Ryan, we go, the two of us have been doing this for, for 20 plus years, right? So we've seen a lot it's a in long the market. Time. It's, it's been a while. We've re- researched thousands <laughs> of companies, yeah. made recommendations, decided not to move forward on many, many thousands of companies. Uh, and really what I see this... DIY seminar as is us identifying some of the most important lessons that we've learned over this period of time that we can then relay to uh, the, to the listeners, um, to other investors, and whereby they can take that and 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 use that those lessons as tools and and actually apply apply those tools to be able to to make the best investment decisions and do the best things for their portfolio. So it's really, you know, us summarizing what we learned in 20 years and some of the most important principles of investing. Yeah. And of course, did you mention the starter portfolio at the end? Uh, Usually typically five or six individual recommendations at the end that are that are essentially will allow somebody to start building that portfolio, that profitable growth oriented portfolio. Yeah, so we're excited to get to it, and uh, we're excited to uh, to see everybody there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the the tax loss selling. You know, it, it is interesting um, that you know really I haven't seen anybody talk about it, but it's very very true that we've seen this run up in small caps, and uh, you know there are going to be a lot of losses, people taking positions at elevated prices, and you know it, it's interesting. I'm excited for that segment uh, for you to kind of dive into that. Um, being a new investor, I'm. You know, I know what tax loss selling is, but, you know, I uh, don't really know, you know, I guess how to utilize it and yeah. not. So and there's certainly some that. companies that will be sold off that I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. Sure. And you got to definitely you don't want to sell because a company is down or buy because a company's down from an all time high or something like that. The, you know, you want to find those companies that maybe got pushed beyond where they should have gone fundamentally in terms of valuations uh, by some euphoria in a segment. 
and now we're trading below or may in that period that you know three to four week period in december maybe pushed well below where they should be and then they can have a bounce back you know to start the year when uh people uh you know stop losing their heads and uh are investing based on the fundamentals which it eventually comes back to so you could get an opportunity it's not guaranteed but in the past we've seen this as a period where you can take pick up some good businesses potentially 10 to 50 percent 15 percent below where they uh should be trading and then you know you get you can have that immediate pop up to normalize the valuations and then as they grow over time you know they can do well in your portfolio if we'll discuss how to do that why we do that and um and where we should be looking at what particular companies we could be looking at as well so that should be interesting now let's get into our your stock our take it's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy sell or hold we got a question that came in from Jeremy on Vertra, VTSI in the NASDAQ. Brennan, you've been tasked with this one. Thank you. So Vertra, VTSI on the NASDAQ, currently trading at a price of about $8.92 and a market cap of $96.2 million. So the company is a provider of judgmental use of force training simulators, firearm training simulators, and driving simulators for the law enforcement, military, educational, and commercial markets. Um, so essentially the company has had a few additional contracts that they've brought on recently. Um, I just will touch on two of those. So the first is on September 16th of 2021, they received a $1.37 million order from a country in the Middle East for the use of force simulators and various training tools. And the other was on October 5th of 2021, of course, uh, where they received a $1.3 million order um, from a federal law enforcement agency in a European country uh, for use of force simulators as well and weapon recoil kits. Um, so looking at the financial results here, revenue was up 90% to $5.3 million compared to the same quarter last year. Uh, they say that the increase was attributable to an increase in the number of simulators and accessories that were delivered. I also believe that they did have a relatively weak Q2 of 2020 just because of the pandemic and everything kind of slowing down. Um, so keep that in mind there when we do see that growth. Net profit was 530000 uh, up from a loss of about 600000 in Q2 of 2020. And they've got a very nice balance sheet, $21.5 million in net cash. So we like to see that. And uh, on a trailing uh, enterprise value to adjusted EBITDA uh, multiple, they're trading at about 13 and a half times. Uh, so, you know, uh, not too bad, I would say. But let's look at the growth a little bit longer term here. So if we look from 2017 to 2018, we saw revenue grow at about 10%. From 2018 to 2019, we saw a growth of about 3.3%. And then from 2019 to 2020, about 2%. So growth hasn't been you know, phenomenal realistically. We're kind of in the, the low single digits here. So if we're, if we're looking at that enterprise value to EBITDA, you know, uh, and those historical growth uh, rates, you know, maybe it's trading at fair value. Um, you know, that is kind of the thought here. Uh, but of course, we do need to look forward. Uh, on a positive note, the company did say in their last quarter that they had 19% year over year increase in its backlog to a record of 17 million. Uh, so, you know, growth going forward 
does look sort of promising based on this. Um, so that's kind of nice to see. So our take, to sum it up here, in my opinion, Ver, uh, Vertra is the antithesis to what many people were calling defund the police. I personally believe that police could use more funding, funding which could be used to purchase Virtra's simulators and training devices so that officers on the front line are fully prepared to respond to any situation. Fundamentally, the business is strong with solid revenue growth this quarter, you know, decent growth over the last few uh, years in the mid to single or mid single digits. You know, as well as record backlog, which could support attractive growth going forward. We'd have to dig into that a little bit further to really see if there will be growth going forward. Uh, as well, you know, the business is profitable. They've got a cash-rich balance sheet and, you know, a reasonable enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of a, of 13.5 times. So it's, it's not too bad. Um, but we would like to see maybe the growth a little bit higher there. So considering the business's low growth from you know 2018 to 2019 and 2019 to 2020, right now I believe the company is trading near that fair value mark unless we get an indication that the company is going to be able to ramp up growth into the mid double digits. But you know, all in all, it's definitely a story I will continue to follow and dig into uh, further. I think that it's you know kind of an interesting play. Uh, you know, on just the training for the police force that I believe that, uh, you know, is, is crucial. Um, you know, and like I said, it will be interesting to kind of dig more into uh, the, the growth profile going forward to uh, to see what they are anticipating. It's uh, I, I, I think that you're you're actually 100 percent right, Brandon, although it pains me to say it. But <laughs> Thanks. Certainly. I mean, when I'm looking at the fundamentals of this business, it, it's certainly they're they're in an interesting market. I agree with you. I think that the solution, a solution is more training for police, not less, more resources, not less. So it's, it's, this is, this is a company that could fill that potential demand, um, profitability, good balance sheet. As you said, though, the only thing is that it's not been a great growth stock in the past. The last quarter was strong, but I'm thinking that, you know, compared to the second quarter of last year is a pretty easy comparable. Um, but this is a, this is the type of company, certainly, I think, it's worth monitoring, um, maybe even ready for a call to management to learn a little bit more about the business and see what the opportunities are for um, for accelerated growth in the future. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good summary of both your parts. Um, in terms of, there's been some growth if you go back to like 2011, about 8 million in revenues trailing now to 22.7, but that's you know almost 10 years, it is 10 years. Um, you know, we'd like to see a little bit more growth in that. Is this an inflection point is what we'd like to know, or is it some pent up demand? Those would be what we'd reach out to management and ask them about. Uh, and given the valuations on the stock right now, we'd like to hope that if we wanted to make an investment, it was an inflection point and the growth rate is going to ratchet up from here to justify those valuations going forward and then smooth them out and bring them lower to the point where, you know, we've made a good buy. And that's the things, those are the things that we'd like to know from the business right now to see whether it, it adds or would add value to a portfolio right now. So our second Your Stock Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Is on Alaris. Uh, the question is, can I get your opinion on Alaris? It pays a nice dividend, which recently increased. Is this good income? a good income investment? It's from Doug in North Vancouver. Thanks, Doug. Aaron has been tasked with this one. Uh, he knows the business well. 
I do note that the symbol is AD or Aaron Dunn and then UN. I don't know. It, it's, it almost says A Dunn to me. That so, is sort of spooky. Uh, you know, I can see your I, affinity. I never noticed that. That, that, that. That's true. That's uh, amazing. Uh, well, I look at Maybe it I and I said that give, to Brennan earlier. Maybe I need to spend more time researching the company. Then. This <laughs> it's is, this it's is calling out to you, Aaron. A, a good sign. It's calling out to uh, you. But we'll, we'll focus on the numbers and not the. Uh, <laughs> Not how the symbol resembles my name. So numerically, uh, <laughs> not uh, numerically. Okay, Alaris Equity Partners. Uh, as Ryan said, the symbol is A D U A D U N C. I'm almost saying my name. A D U N. I screwed um, you up big time. You you did you did. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on track here. So it trades right now at a price of about eighteen dollars and fifty cents. It's about an eight hundred thirty five million market value company, market cap, and it pays a very attractive yield right now of over 7%, 7.1%. So what does Alaris do? Alaris is a royalty company. They provide alternative financing to smaller mid-market private companies in exchange for an ongoing royalty payment. Alaris currently has 20 royalty streams from a diverse range of businesses spanning multiple different industries, um, including utility service, IT consulting, construction, even a fitness gym, just to name a few. Over its history, this company has invested about $1.8 billion into 33 different royalty streams. And the way the structure works is that Alaris provides capital to private businesses uh, that need this money maybe for, for liquidity, um, to fund growth, or even to recapitalize. The private business pays Alaris uh, an ongoing royalty payment for an indefinite period. Typically, this is linked to the revenues or the net profit of that company. Uh, and if they ever want to end that royalty payment, then there's a contractual buyout that they will actually that they will also have to pay to Alaris. So overall, Alaris's existing portfolio is generating a baseline cash yield of 13%, so about 13% return on investment. Uh, Alaris uses this cash flow to pay an attractive dividend to its shareholders. As I said, it's yielding over 7% right now. And this company did pay a generally consistent dividend over a time span of many, many years. Uh, however, in June of 2020, Alaris did reduce its dividend from $0.41 cents per quarter to $0.29 cents per quarter due to the business disruptions uh, that were experienced by its, its investees during the pandemic. Since then, there has been some recovery. The dividend has been increased twice, uh, is currently $0.33 cents per quarter. Right now, the payout ratio based on run rate uh, distributable cash flow is about 55 to 60%. So that's very reasonable. And in June, the company also note, announced a new investment of $70 million into a new royalty partner. And the manage management believes that this investment is going to increase Alaris's distributable cash flow per share by about 6.5%. So recent financial performance has been strong. Q2 revenue was up 37% to $35 million. Uh, cash flow per share was up 18% to $0.45 cents per share. Uh, the recent growth was also largely a result of recovery from lower performance last year. Um, comparing against Q2 of 2020, um, that's a relatively easy, easy comparable for the company. So we're not expecting to see 37% revenue growth on a, on a go forward basis. Uh, so just looking, uh, going a little bit deeper into the financials, and I have actually looked at this company many, many times over the years for our income research because it is such a um, such a high-yielding stock. And an important metric that Alaris reports is something called Partners Earnings Coverage Ratio, or ECR. The ECR is essentially the multiple of an investee's annual earnings 
to the annual royalties that it owes to Alaris. So for example, if one of Alaris's royalty partners was generating $2 million a year in earnings and is contractually obliga obligated to pay $1 million a year in royalties, then the ECR would be two times. So this metric is used to measure the financial health of the royalty partners and the margin of safety between earnings and royalty obligations. A higher ECR indicates better financial strength and lower risk, while a low ECR can be an indication that a company is close to not being able to make its dividend or its royalty obligations. Alaris reports that 11 of its partners have an ECR of less than two times, and nine of its partners have an ECR of greater than two times. So what is my take on the company overall? Well, overall, I think that Alaris is a very interesting business. I always have. It has a long track record of paying out significant dividend income to its shareholders. It's attractively valued relative to cash flow. Right now, trading at a price to cash flow ratio of about 10 times on a trailing basis, probably less if we look forward to what uh, the company is likely going to produce over the next year. The Outlook is generally positive, um, and there's been some investment into growth as well. However, I do consider this company to be higher risk, and I do have some concerns. The first is that I find it very difficult to get any information on the companies uh, the, that Alaris invests in, the royalty partners, as these are generally all private businesses. The information we have uh, from, from Alaris is generally restricted to the earnings coverage ratio, and I've always considered the earnings coverage ratios that have been reported to be quite low, uh, indicating higher risk. So the majority of the company's royalty partners, as I said, have, have earnings coverage ratios below two times, which I personally don't believe provides a lot of coverage. Um, nine of the companies have ECRs above two times, but we don't know how far above two times. Uh, it's, we only know that it's above two, so it could be 2.1, could be 2.5. Uh, these, these royalty partners are also paying average yields of 13% um, on, on these investments. This is, this is expensive considering how low interest rates are currently. So these are businesses that clearly aren't able to access bank financing um, or debt at lower costs, and that's why they have to resort to an alternative financing structure. Uh, we really have to consider the reasons for that, and uh, this really implies a higher level of risk amongst these companies that they have to pay such a high rate to get access to capital. Looking at Alaris' stock price, it really has not done a lot over the past 10 years except move up and down. It's been quite volatile. Uh, so it does appear that the market is recognizing some of this risk. Now, this does not mean that I think that Alaris would not be a good investment. I think it has a lot of very interesting attributes. Um, you know, investing in private companies the way they do, there, there is risk associated with that. But they do have a diverse portfolio, which should help to balance off that risk exposure. The fundamentals look reasonably strong right now, and it does have a long track record of paying dividends. I would just remind investors that this is a higher risk company. If you wanted to invest, make sure you set that um, the, the amount of capital that you're investing into it appropriately relative to the risk. I personally wouldn't make Alaris a core position in my portfolio uh, as a higher risk dividend play uh, that has a pretty good track record. It, you know, it, it certainly has it certainly has some some merit. Yeah, I think it's a good summary. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the, the a number of the metrics make it look like an attractive investment potential. Um, but like you said, and you mentioned, we've always kind of looked at it this way, that fi royalty financing is expensive and you, you often can question the quality of the business that has to go that route for funding. There are some that do it well. 
Um, in the past, we've seen some other investments, other companies, public companies and non-public that fund this way. And, you know, the best parts of their portfolio, the best investments that they make often are able to buy out the royalty. And then, you, you know, you, you end up with the, the worst parts of your portfolio staying on in the long term. You'd like those successful ones to not be able to buy out that royalty and keep it on. So if, you, if it's always riskier companies and they can, the best companies can go a different way in terms of their financing, then, you know, it is for us, what's the quality of your portfolio? And that maybe, I'm not saying Alara specifically, but does that make these type of companies higher risk? And Aaron is saying, you know, there is some risk there that you have to take into account and probably, you know, the reason why the valuations look quite attractive. Yeah. So I think hopefully. that's a, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, and that is something that you have taught me. We were looking at a re- renewable energy streamer. I can't remember the name. Um, but, you know, basically we were looking back and some of these streams were getting bought out and I was like, oh, well, isn't that a positive? But it's no, I mean, like it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's positive good, short term, you exactly, know, and the, the, the ROI thing. on those investments looks great and, and everything. But, you know, to build that business over the long term, you'd like to see that royalty be perpetual, right? Continue. And as that, as that business grows and continues to grow its cash flow, that royalty grows. But if they just get the chance to three years in because they are doing well buy you out then you know that business gets what was a good investment and they get a good return on it but it's not you know it, it kind of it's like a business this is a little different obviously but it's like when you have a contract business you can win some good contracts uh but then when that contract runs out you know you have to keep backfilling that in the business versus like a SaaS company would be like a perpetual royalty if we're going to put those two together where you get that royalty and the better that business does the better you do over time the you know you get that SaaS contract if you continue uh to deliver on it it just keeps churning in cash flow over the long term so I mean that would be likely why the valuation is not the highest on that because you know you can have this situation in some of these royalty companies where they're best the best investments they've made and the best royalty they got off companies end up buying them out over the long term. That's why there, I mean, there are some streaming royalty like uh, gold co- related companies that they have a perpetual royalty. Well, that's more attractive. To yeah, us, exactly. And you know, I'd even like to relate it to like a callable bond. Like it's like a call, like that is like a call on a bond is to the detriment of the investor. Um, you know, and a call, a, a callable mm-hmm. bond is always going to trade at a discount to a plain vanilla bond. So, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, thought of that analogy. I mean, you, you get that one, like it, with these, you know, when they're paying back the royalty, you get that great one-time payment, but then you have to deploy that capital and you have to go out and find, and I think it's it's difficult to find great companies uh, that, that are, you know, need a royalty structure or will go with the financing through a royalty structure. So once you've found it, you kind of want to hold on to that. But if they have the out clause to buy you out, then, you know, you're continuing having to backfill that portfolio. And does it lead you to a portfolio where the companies in your portfolio that continue to need those royalties, uh, they might ask you for more and more. So you, your portfolio gets skewed towards sitting on the companies that aren't doing as well because they can't buy out their royalties because they probably consider the royalty a high cost funding. So if they could, that, you know, that's likely they're doing well and then they get rid of you. Anyways, that's, 
I'm not saying that's Alaris, but generally the structure for me, that are the worries that I have over the long term with exactly. that structure. And I just if wanted you don't to have like uh, a perpetual royalty. If you have a perpetual royalty, it's a different exactly. story. Exactly. And I just wanted to bring that up because that is something that, you know, I've definitely like that's ingrained in the back of my head now. It's a good thing to always keep in mind when you're looking at these uh, these royalty streamers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's all we have. Aaron, anything else you want to add? Or are you good? Oh, I think I'm good. Add to, to Alaris. No, no, to anything. The no, 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 no. Just, just looking forward to, life to generally. Uh, yeah, no. I think I, I think just looking forward to the upcoming DIY events, and yeah, also so I'm going to be speaking on the I'm going to be speaking oh, on yeah. the Money Jeez. Talks Uncensored podcast this Saturday. So uh, tune in. We that. should have said that at the start of the podcast. Yeah, Aaron's going to be on uh, this Saturday on the Money Talks Uncensored podcast. So go. Uh, to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, sign up and uh, listen to Aaron. We'll send out a notification of it and a link to it later, but go sign up for that podcast. Hear Aaron on there. Uh, he'll be talking, you know, the markets, talk about a couple of individual stocks likely, uh, how maybe inflation affects your portfolio, whatever the topics they get to. He might even touch on uh, some of the things we'll be doing in the, the webinar as well. So uh, listen to Aaron on Money Talks with Mike Campbell. It's always a good interview. Uh, at least Michael's there and you can stomach Aaron, right? So it should be good. I'd like to encourage everybody to keep adding us, this podcast, to your iTunes. Uh, rate and review us on there. Hopefully you say some nice things, but say what you want to say. But just rate and review us on there. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take, our Ask Us Anything. If you want us to compare two companies, like industries, see which one we think is a better investment, we can do that. Um, and uh, I'd like to wa- wish you, as always, profitable investing. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.